It's showtime. Three hours of conversation, cussing, and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. Here we go, off and running in a brand new year. It is the second day of January 2024. This is the Horn. is where you'll find us on the interweb, too. And that's where you go if you'd like to be part of the Merry Wacky Zany Real-Time Madcap Multimedia Extravaganza. That is the Horn Chat Room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All time zones in between and the Great Globe Round. And if you do pop in right now for this first chat experience of the first show of 2024, well, you'll be greeted by the early arrivers, Anatole and Squeaky and Theo, and capably moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, Bud Trimmer Emeritus, and Superior Zimmergist Roger in Oregon. Hi, I'm Robin. Still Robin, also known as Roxanne, and it is uh, 2024, and it's, as they used to say around here, cold as blue blazes outside, and, uh, well, downhill to the first day of spring, y'all, so, uh, well, also, (laughs) you know, it, wasn't here yesterday because New Year's Day. I should have known. I should have just gone. I should have just come in here and done the show. And if I'd done that, Bama would have won the Rose Bowl instead. No, I sat there and watched them stink the place up. But, well, Texas lost two, though. So the the two teams that every uh, that expected to play for the national championship in a rematch of the second game of the season. Ah, they're going to watch the national championship on TV instead. And so, um, go Huskies. And look, it's Blue State versus Blue State for the college football championship. Ooh, that's got to irk the maggots. At least I hope it does. Um, so, anyway, I wanted to... Uh, uh, oh, uh, please, if you're listening to the podcast... Don't hesitate to uh, like every episode and subscribe to a couple of platforms. It does help raise the visibility of the program so that other people can come in and participate in our conversation. 
because it's a mighty good conversation. Two days from now, we will be 19 years and 11 months old. Yeah, February 4th, 2024 will be the 20th anniversary of this little program. It is harrowing to count up the number of hours involved in all of that. But yeah, 20 years. Amazes me. Anyway, every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. So thanks uh, to our uh, PayPal subscribers for this, the second, yesterday, the first, and uh, the end of December. That means thank you so very kindly to Mike and Cascadia. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you very kindly uh, to Tom and Sonny San Rafael and to Khalil. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, thank you, Teresa. Uh, who said, Happy New Year, Robin, from a long-time progressive listener and history lover. Teresa, thank you so kindly. It was so nice to hear from you. And uh, uh, thank you to Dave and the Blind. And thank you to Joan. Thank you, Joan, so very kindly. And thank you to our anonymous friend. So, what that means is, um, and, and thank you to Max. Thank you, Max. Uh, Max uh, jumps in on uh, Bruce and Karen's Memorial Challenge at the beginning of every month. Thank you so much, Max. What that means is that we are at, well, uh, and, and Mike and Cascadia uh, pushed us over the top, and so did Teresa. So, uh, we, begin this, we begin this new year with... Uh, Bruce and Karen's memorial challenge having been met, and that means that uh, we will qualify for the matching money from uh, our dear friend Ralphs and Chris in Germany, and another a person who wishes to remain anonymous. And so that takes us down to, uh, well, we had a $776 deficit closing December, and that and and with all that having been said, we got a hundred bucks to go to uh, finish that deficit. Thank you so much, one and all. I hope you all had a good, happy, prosperous New Year. I was I I, I just we just uh, Annette and I just spent it here uh, playing with the golden retriever and the kitty cats. And uh, thank you uh, to an anonymous friend for the handy step stool. It's already in use in the kitchen. And what that was all about with the check, you know, I usually don't hit check, check. I don't do that, but for some reason or another, the broadcast interface was being weird, you know, open source stuff, and it's just going to be buggy once in a while. So that was what that was about. But, like I said, yesterday was more in Monday. Today's Titanic Tuesday. We'll just sort of start the new year by 
bundling the two together just as quickly as I'm... Well, stand by. Sorry. Sorry about that. My my son is making his, and he's he's talked about he's talked about it all year. He's making his uh, New Year's oysters bienvenue, and he's making it for the first time by himself. Um, and so he's kind of in a little bit of a panic, and every now and then he's been calling me all day. What do I do about this? What do I, how do I, what do I, yip, yip, out. And he was so excited when he got, when he got his oysters. He was so excited. He had his brand new shucking knife and he was at the seafood place and he just wanted to slurp one right then. I know a significant portion of the Horn family community congregation is going, Rrr. but if you love raw oysters, you understand. And so he, Went to, and he's not bad. I taught him how to shuck, but he's out of practice, I guess. And he shucked that first oyster and ran that oyster knife right into the side of his thumb. Blunt instrument cut, stab wound. Not a horrible one, but you know there aren't any fun stabs. I stab myself once a week, and it's not exactly a good time. But here we are. Uh, <laughs> so that. If he if he calls in again, it'll I'll I'll just interrupt the program for a second and um, deal with it. Um, but he is he's so terribly excited, and I'm sure it's going to be delicious. It's a little bit of a complicated process. Uh, one other thing that I neglected to do at the end of the month, which is usually a um, and the end of the month thing is to thank our Patreon subscribers. And uh, I said we would get to it today, and we will, in fact, get to it today. Um, and as such, Uh, thanks go out to my dear sister, Miss Terry. Thank you to Theo. Thank you to Randy Radar. Uh, Christopher, thank you. Janice, thank you. Jake, thank you. Nancy, thanks so much. Bernadette, thank you so very kindly. Uh, Mike in Cascadia, thank you. Michael of the Guffins, thank you. Jeff in Slow, thank you. Thank you to Kay. Thank you to Andrea. Thank you to James. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Annette. Joanne, thank you. Lori, thank you. 
Vernon in San Diego, thank you. Cat in Ohio, thank you. And by the way, Cat, uh, the tur- the turkey soup was wonderful. <laughs> the turkey salad was wonderful. The turkey was wonderful. And we've done pan-fried ham and ham with 30 gravy. And, of course, the baked ham on Christmas. And ham salad. And, oh, it's so good. So good. I've never had ham and turkey as good as what came from uh, Conecuh down in uh, Greenville, Alabama. Uh, thank you, Brendan. Thank you, KW. Thank you, Irwin. Thank you, Barb. Thank you, Horst in Taiwan. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Terrace. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. And thank you, Jeremy. Those are all of our our Patreon patrons. And I cannot appreciate you enough. Uh, for all the help that the PayPal subscribers, the Patreon subscribers, the a la carte contributors all bring to keep this little broadcast effort going. Thank you. So, uh, like I said, we've got a Titanic Tuesday and a Moran Monday all rolled in together. You know, they say New Year, New You. Uh, <laughs> this is more like New Year, New Fear. I have spoken to so many people in the last few, well, especially in the last week, and everybody seems to be of the same opinion, that never had they seen a new year come in with more trepidation. Um, I had a note earlier today from Cynthia. Uh, it, came, it, was an, it was an article from ABC News. Uh, Three years, uh, and it's based on a Washington Post story. Breaking news from the Post today at 8.22 a.m. Three years after the January 6th attack, Republican loyalty to Trump and the Capitol rioters climbs, according to a Washington Post UMD poll. That's University of Maryland. Republicans are now less likely to believe those at the Capitol that day were mostly violent, less likely to be, believe that Nitwit Nero bears responsibility for the attack, and are slightly less likely to view Joe Biden's election as legitimate than they were in December of 2021. So I guess this is going to be a thing now. Every year, there will be a poll asking, are the maggots getting maggotier? And unfortunately, the answer is, Yeah. And I'm not that surprised, but as Cynthia said, this is sickening. Brainwashing works. Perhaps these sorts of polls are premature at this point, but I'm not optimistic. It feels like this is the it feels like the the soul of this country right now, and Republicans are in too many so-called independents are either brainwashed or fucking stupid or and uninformed and are unwilling and are willing to follow any fucking Pied Piper who comes along, and they won't listen to any warnings. Not even from, well, like Cassidy Hutchinson. I gained so much more than I lost with January 6th testimony, according to Cassidy Hutchinson. Well, willful ignorance is a thing, and I think willful... Look, this is a, this is a presidential election year. And as I have said since virtually the very beginning of this program... In the United States of America, presidential election years are not merely plebiscites to determine who the president and the Congress and governors and members of legislatures and whatnot will be.
it boils down, the presidential election in particular, it boils down to a quadrennial single question IQ test. Plain and simple. And we're going to find out how many people are, in Cynthia's words, either brainwashed or fucking stupid and uninformed and are, un- and are willing to follow any fucking Pied Piper who comes along. And it might be a tall order. It might be a heavy lift. But we're... We got to try. We absolutely have to try. I had another email just a few minutes ago uh, from Cynthia. Oh my goodness, I'm so happy for you. Subject line Okay, I bought it. I just ordered that Char Griller Acorn Smoker. I was going to buy it locally from Lowe's, figuring I could pick it up at the store for $399 in tax. Then I looked at how heavy it is, and it is heavy. And I thought, well, I'll have it delivered to my house. Kind of choked on the delivery fee, 79 bucks, but thought if that was the only way I could get it, given my bad back, I would spring for it anyway. I didn't know you had a bad back, Cynthia. I'm sorry, dear. So I tried to order it online at the Lowe's website and had all kinds of trouble completing the purchase, and I was about to give up when I thought, hey, oh, there she goes, using that big primate brain. Why not just buy it direct from Chargriller? So I went to their website where I saw they had it on sale for $263.20. If y'all ever wanted one of these, this is the time, uh, which is $136.79 cheaper than at Lowe's, and shipping is free. So I bought it. Now, and this is the part about the trepidation. It's not we're not we're not early into food porn today. We got work to do. Now I don't know what will happen in November, Cynthia says, and if Trump will be the asteroid that ends. Oh, you. That's for asteroid. That ends all life on Earth or not. But in case that's what's in store for us, I'm going to enjoy this year as best I can. And that thing is making some smoked salmon, ribs, whatever. So if you have ready-to-go recipes, please share some with me. No rush, as I gather there will be delays in shipping. Thanks. Uh, I will be happy to teach you everything I know. And that is not... An insignificant amount. Uh, you know, you're going. If you're going to do salmon, you're lucky. You're on the west coast. You won't have a hard time finding alder. Alder is your best smoking wood for salmon, in my opinion. And you know, I have to order mine in. Uh, get a collection of different different woods. Hickory. Uh, a Texan would tell you to get mesquite. Uh, Hillbilly would tell you that mesquite ha- adds no flavor. It only adds heat. And John Bridevo and I would probably have to go out and fight in the yard over that. Uh, <laughs> uh, cherry wood, pecan is wonderful. Uh, if you've got access to anybody who knows anybody down in the Napa Valley or any of the gra- grape growing areas, grapevine is a heavenly smoke wood. Uh, make sure, Cynthia, that you get one, get a. Uh, uh, Smoking deflector stone, there will be a second set of ears, if you will, inside the kettle. 
You set that on there, and it keeps direct flame from getting to your whatever it is that you're smoking. And then this is the sweetest part. Cynthia said, and in appreciation, I would buy you that sous vide machine, given the money I saved from not buying at Lowe's. Just email me where to ship it. I will. Cynthia, that is so sweet. Because I, w- I was looking at them today. Thank you. Thank you. So that's where we kind of begin. Got up yesterday morning. Found a fantastic piece of hog jowl, so we ate, we started out we started out the new year eating high on the hog. Had our our cabbage and our greens, and uh, I, I I was talking with Joy, our pal up in Ann Arbor. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your Wolverines. I'm not one of those classless Alabama fans that yells we was robbed because we weren't. We sucked. We sucked yesterday a lot. The play calling, sweet Jesus. Uh, but then again, that was a hell of a defense. And I don't know, I'm rooting for the Huskies, but I don't feel real good about it. Because Michigan would have absolutely destroyed Texas yesterday, too. It's going to be fun to watch. Um But Joy said she was um, surprised to hear me say I don't care for black-eyed peas. I do like them, but they do have an earthy flavor to them. She said the dirt taste is probably why she likes them. And I get that. Um, But I I just, I forewent them because I knew Annette wouldn't eat them. I never got the kids to love them, even in the form of Hoppin' John, which I think is fantastic. So... I hope that doesn't screw the year for me and everybody else. Yeah, cross your fingers. Good for you, Stephen, New York. Uh, note coming in from Wave. News at the end of the world before the apocalypse. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Key West. Oh, my... That must have been... Oh, and you're right there by Captain Tony's. That photo. I've been there. Fort Zachary Taylor Historic State Park. That's about... My goodness gracious, you can probably throw a rock and hit and, and make it splash in Havana Harbor. My goodness gracious, New Year's Eve in Key West looks like it was an absolute jam-packed madhouse. Bet nobody could get a drink. <laughs> but then again, that's probably better course you know i didn't i didn't touch anything new year's eve because it's amateur night and well like i said i would i didn't even stay out to midnight I, I came home and annette and i just got in our jammies and sat there and played with the puppy it was a it was a wig out at maggie's and i had an adorable curly pink wig it was just cute as could be and that said, you know, you should wear that once in a while. It really works for you. That was fun. Uh, Key West looks like an absolute blast, Wave. Um, Lee in New York reminding me. Uh, spring is coming. We are one month from the midpoint between the winter solstice and the vernal equinox. Groundhog Day. Happy more sun each day. Yes. 
I thought you were going to say we were uh, barely a month away from pitchers and catchers report. That's you know, that's that, that's what that's what delights the hearts of baseball fans. Pitchers and catchers report day. Uh, oh, okay. You get a cowbell, Lee. Maggot New Year's Eve favorite song. There will be singing involved. I'll warn you. Trigger warning. Should insurrections be forgot and never brought to court? Ah, probably ought to work that one up. Uh, Randy Radar, I have smoked oysters on the, well, smoked them, roasted them on the on the acorn, and there's nothing better. Uh, Randy said, I love a can of smoked oysters in Turkish olive oil, but they come from South Korea and are probably susceptible to the recent radioactive release of water from Fukushima. So no more smoked oysters for me. Get your, get yourself a little tabletop acorn and you can smoke all the oysters you want. They're just, just so, it's just so damned hard to keep those shells lit. You know it was common, right? Sure. I, but at any rate, no, we've got. I, I think I think I'm just chilly challying all, all around because uh, where we're going is awful. This is gross. We talked, for instance, about, uh, you know, when uh, on December the 26th, we talked about how the Israelis spent uh, the Christmas holiday bombing the bee Jesus out of the birthplace of Christ Jesus, because that's a thing they did. And then last week we found out about um, oh what's his name uh, Beelzebub Ben Gavir or whatever that nasty little neo-Nazi is the uh, the uh, security minister uh, for the for Israel. Well, they uh, and I mention this every year. Um, we celebrate New Year's when we do by virtue of an edict from Pope Gregory, hence the Gregorian calendar. And Pope Gregory also, it was, so if the Nativity is on December 25th, in other words, if that's Jesus' birthday, then January the 1st, is the day that we celebrate the ritual religious genital mutilation of little baby Jesus's little baby Palestinian schmeckle. Whether the world knows it or not, I guess it's enough that a few of us do. Every time you say Happy New Year to somebody on January 1st or thereafter, you're saying Happy Anniversary of the day that Jesus got part of his dick cut off. Doesn't that just make you feel festive? And so the Israelis 
uh, marked the occasion by uh, bombing the living bejesus out of Gaza. Uh, Zainab Khalil, aged 57, from northern Gaza, who is uh, now in Rafah, said of New Year's Eve tonight, the sky and world countries will be lit by firecrackers and joyful laughs will fill the air. In Gaza, our skies are now filled with Israeli missiles and tank shells that land on innocent homeless civilians. And um, Zainab Khalil was not wrong and was not engaging in any form of hyperbole. And so with more than 21,800 people dead, according to the best numbers we have, uh, is Israel, most of them being women and children, Israel put, uh, continues to put out propaganda saying, we killed 8,000 Hamas fighters in their cribs. No, I added that last part. But 70% of the Gazan dead, 70% of that 21,800 number, so, you know, somewhere around 16,000 of them, are women and children. And now people are fleeing uh, fleeing to Rafa as uh, Bibi, Psycho Bibi, Cascasse, uh, declares that the war is going to go on and on and on and on until he decides it's time to end it. Here's a little hint. He's not going to decide that it's time to end it because the minute he does, he might finally be tried for all of his myriad crimes. Hamas is a bunch of assholes. So too is the Israeli government. A fascist is a fascist is a fascist is a fascist. And now there's a bit of a propaganda war going on too, of course. In this instance... It is uh, a news story coming out of the West Bank that a member of the Palestinian LGBTQ community, a gay man, has been beheaded. And now there's a... You know, flame wars taking place online with uh, pro-Israeli slaughter of Gazans types saying, "See, see, see, they behead, they behead the queers. We like, we some of us like the queers in Israel. Some of them. It's almost as though people cannot hold two two facts together in their mind at the same time." I can deplore, look, I don't like Christianity, I don't like Islam, 
I don't like Judaism. I don't like Jainism. I don't like isms. Okay? I am irreligious. If it's your tradition, good for you. Enjoy it. George Carlin once said that religion was like a lift in your shoes. If you enjoy it and it makes you feel better, fine, but don't, don't go trying to nail lifts onto the feet of the natives. I, I I can't I can't help but think that the world would be such so much a better place. You know, like John Lennon said, imagine there's no religion. Imagine an entirely rational society. I don't think an entirely rational society would bomb rocket, shoot, burn, blast, poison people for no reason at all. Innocent civilians. I just don't. But apart from uh, apart from what the Israelis did over the New Year's weekend, And uh, Psycho Baby said, you know, we just may stay there this time in talking about Gaza. And and there he is. They said the quiet part out loud. The uh, finance minister, uh, Bezalel Smotrich, who, when we talked about Israeli neo-Nazism last week, is an actual arsonist. Well, he said uh, that his personal goal, and he's not part of the war cabinet because he's too, he's too extreme even for Psycho Bibi and the other uh, fascist weirdos. New, on New Year's Eve, Basil L. Smotrich said, "Listen, and you know we, we we've been predicting this. I I, I think particularly of of uh, our buddy Todd, who keeps talking about the beautiful coastline there and how it could ho- how it could be a wonderful place to build casinos and beach resorts and uh, yes. Well, Basil L. Smotrich." said, y'all, the Palestinians just need to leave Gaza altogether. Get out! And let Israel come in, and and he literally used this phrase, make the desert bloom. And I read that, and I was like, huh! How are are the pro-Israeli people going to spin that as anything but a, a... a, a, a genocidal ethnic cleansing urge. And so Bezalel Smotrich, even though he's not in the war cabinet itself, well, he and the other neo-Nazis, fascists, 
are barking and grunting and hooting and demanding to have a say in whatever this post-war world is in that region, particularly in Gaza. And their vision of a post-war Gaza is a post-war Gaza with no Gazans in it. A post-war Gaza with no Palestinians in it. Make the desert bloom. I didn't know you could grow flowers in a sea of blood. Disgusting. Meanwhile, uh, a senior Palestinian Authority official in, uh, named uh, Hussein al-Sheikh, who is in the occupied West Bank, said on social media that Israel taking over the border was evidence of a decision to completely return the occupation. We moved here from Khan Yunus on the basis that Rafah was a safe place. There is no space in Rafah as it is overcrowded with displaced. A Palestinian woman named Umm Muhammad described that. If they control the border, where will people go? It will be a disaster. And of course, the United States Navy got into it with some uh, Houthi rebels uh, who, in little boats, decided to attack a shipping container vessel. Helicopters were dispatched from the USS Gerald R. Ford, the largest aircraft carrier, the largest ship in the American fleet. The rebels in their boats, yelling, Wolverines, apparently in Yemeni, decided to take pot shots at the helicopters, and the helicopters then blew three of the four boats out of the water, but the fourth one got away. The Houthis then said it was an act of American aggression. Yar, piracy. And said that they were acting in solidarity with Hamas. So you've got an outright call for the ethnic cleansing... of Gaza a second Nakba speaking to Israeli army radio uh, Beelzebub Smotrich said what needs to be done in the Gaza Strip is to encourage immigration (laughs) you know at the bayonet point if there are a hundred or two hundred thousand Arabs in Gaza and not two million Arabs you'll notice he doesn't say Palestinians the entire discussion on the day after will be totally different 
If 2.3 million people weren't there growing up on the aspiration to destroy the state of Israel, Gaza would be seen differently in Israel. Yeah, it would be seen as Israel. Most of Israeli society will say, why not? It's a nice place. Let's make the desert bloom if it doesn't come at anyone's expense. Anyone doing a lot of work in that sentence. Because Palestinians, you see, are untermenschen. Nobodies. And bear in mind the religious Zionism party that Smotrich leads. Oh, God. It draws the biggest portion of its support from the Israeli settler community in the illegal settlements in the West Bank. So that's how Beelzebub Smotrich has political power. Because the settlers are as horrid and hardline and ultra-right-wing and fascist as any Muslim fundamentalist. Same, same. And see, Beelzebub Smotrich's party is in the government because Psycho Bibi desperately needed them in order to secure power to form a government. So, hmm. Smotrich, Ben-Gavir, and they are not outliers. And the world is going to sit by and watch a genocide continue to unfold. And then the Israel fanboys and fangirls will yell, But yeah, they cut a queer guy's head off! Yeah, fundamentalists are horrible. So are your fundamentalists. I have no problem saying a pox on both their houses. And most people just want to live and be left alone. We can't have that. Gaza for nobody. Stephen New York observes, these comments are not new. Given that these comments aren't new, it makes the case for LIHOP even stronger for me. Let it happen on purpose. Well, again, Donald Trump had been in office for not quite a year and uh, handed over sensitive Israeli intelligence to Mother Russia at the same time that the Israelis were finding out what Hamas's attack plan was which they carried out on October the 7th, 2023, good riddance to 2023. What in the world do you think Vladimir Putin would do with, say, a Hamas attack plan? Run out and tell the world and try to protect innocent life? Hell no! He's going to get on the blower to his buddy in, in Damascus 
His buddy in Damascus is going to get on the blower to their buddy in cut to his buddy in Cutter. His buddy in Cutter is going to get on the blower to the head of Hamas and say, "Listen, Putin's liking this idea a lot. Just lay low for a little while, and then do it. If you need any help, uh, we 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 can we can send you some." Uh, Syrian troops and, you know, you can put them in some nondescript fatigues and, hell, you can get paragliders on Amazon. Paragliders. I guess I'm the only one saying it. I'm the only one I've heard saying it. But I still see Vladimir's filthy fingerprints all over this entire traumatic nightmare because it works so super well for him. It got him the poli- it got him the political chaos that he uh, that that he craves that inures to his benefit. You've got twee precious, um, mostly terminally online people screaming about how. Uh, this is all somehow Joe Joe Biden's fault. And as Cynthia showed in her first note, you've got maggots getting maggotier. The big lie appears to have worked. And it's going to be a bumpy road to the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November of 2024. Uh, Subject line Hamas, Stephen New York says, Before anyone thinks I am supporting any murderous organization, I've wondered about uh, for a while this. The Nakba, which is Arabic, by the way, for catastrophe, was in 1948. Hamas was not founded until 1987. For nearly 40 years, there was no group called Hamas. Why? Was there a group like Hamas that predated Hamas? If not, what about 1987 led to the creation of Hamas? No, I'm not asking to justify the creation of Hamas or anything it does. Let me be very clear here. I don't like killing. I don't care who does the killing. I'm just trying to find out why things happen the way they do. My question stands. What about 1987 led to the creation of Hamas nearly 40 years after 1948? If there was a group like Hamas before 1987, who was it? PLO. Remember Munich, the Olympics, 1972? Or the Israeli raid on Entebbe, which cost the life of Bibi Netanyahu's older brother? whose corpse Bibi has ever since ridden to political power and wealth. There was the Yom Kippur War, there was the Six-Day War. This 
but in reality, and this goes back to something we were talking about on Friday when I was talking with Roger about Eisenhower, in reality, none of this happens, or to a certain extent, none of this happens, or it doesn't happen the same way, without the United States government and its newly minted Central Intelligence Agency fomenting a coup against Mohammed Mossadegh in Iran, who, uh, b- because the people of Iran had elected him democratically to be their prime minister, and he had nationalized the Iranian oil reserves. Which pissed that old racist Winston Churchill right off. And Truman, Harry Truman, wouldn't do anything about it. That crusty, pragmatic old Missourian said, basically, looks like they had themselves a democratic election, Winnie. Probably ought to let that stand. But Winnie was all butt hurt, and so when Ike got in, he went to Ike, his another old buddy, and Ike said, "Well, sure, sure, Winnie, we'll just send some agents right over there to Tehran, and we'll put your boy Reza Pahlavi on the peacock throne." And they did. And he was, of course, a brutal dictator with a gang of murderous thugs called the, uh, the, the, the Savic. Was that their name? Who crushed political dissent, sent Ayatollah Khomeini into exile, and frankly, can't blame him for that. A toxic motherfucker. Again, just because you've got two opposing parties doesn't mean that both parties can't be complete assholes. But democracy was taken away from Iran, and so when the when the revolution came, 1978, oh, when the revolution came, as I said, they carried placards bearing uh, Mohammed Mossadegh's image as well as that of Ayatollah Khomeini. And when they toppled the government and drove the Shah from their midst and off of his precious peacock throne, they had some scores to settle. Hating the United States, Britain, and generally the West was one of them. Great Satan and all that. Hating Israel just came... Natural to them because they're every bit the bunch of a bunch of religious maniacs as the most hardcore uh, fundamentalists are in Israel. And so once the revolution got its feet under the, under them, they started funding. Groups that would 
do their dirty work for them. And that includes the creation in 1987 in the wake of the first intifada. I think it was the first intifada. You know, where Palestinians threw rocks at Israelis and Israeli soldiers threw bullets back. But with the first intifada came the creation of Hamas in Palestine and Hezbollah in Lebanon. So that's as much of an answer as I can give. That's why things have happened the way they did, Steve. So, I guess it's only fitting that we begin the first broadcast of 2024 with a rundown of the slaughters and war crimes and crimes against humanities and rolling uh, rolling genocide in that desert shithole that is Israel and Palestine generally. Ugh. Uh, Ron and Raleigh uh, just sent me a link. From now this news, Palestinians fight to keep homes from Israeli settlement. Jacob, you know this is not your house. Yes, but if I go, you don't go back. So what's the problem? Why are you yelling at me? I didn't do this. I didn't do this. But you... It's easy to yell at me, but I didn't do this. You are stealing my house. And if I don't steal it, someone else is going to steal it. No, no one... No one is allowed to steal it, Yammi. Palestinians are fighting to keep their homes from Israeli settlement. In the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood of East Jerusalem... An Israeli court ordered six Palestinian families who have lived there for generations to leave their homes by May 2nd. In the days following, Israeli soldiers have raided the area, physically attacking residents and protesters. I'm always scared. When I saw that my neighbors had to leave their homes, I saw the case of the Gawi family. Israeli security forces broke down their doors on the street at 3 in the morning, the women wearing shorts and in their nightgowns, the kids too. So I'm scared for my home, for my kids. I'm scared about everything. Additional families have to vacate by August the 1st for a total in order to make space for incoming Jewish settlers. Settler settler orgs primarily funded by U.S. donors had filed the original lawsuit against the Palestinian families, claiming that the land belonged to Jewish people in the past. We have a family of 14, seven adults and seven children. We're not leaving. Let whatever happens, happen. 
They would have to kill us and then we'd leave. We won't leave. An estimated 3,000 Palestinians still leave, live in Sheikh Jarrah. Many families have been fighting to keep their homes for decades. Locals and activists have brought international attention to recent events with the hashtag, hashtag Save Sheikh Jarrah. This case is the first case in a row of several cases for tens of families in Sheikh Jarrah that what will happen here could uh, apply also to the other families. At least 20 Palestinians have reportedly been injured in clashes between Israeli police and protesters in recent nights. On May 6th, Israel's Supreme Court will hold a hearing. This is two years ago, y'all. Here in Sheikh Jarrah, like many other neighborhoods all across Jerusalem, we are facing the imminent threat of forced displacement at the hands of billionaire-backed settler organizations working in collusion with the Israeli government and a judicial system that's inherently colonial. In the next few weeks, hundreds of us could be rendered homeless, including myself and my family. International law does not recognize Israeli courts to have legal power over the country's occupied lands. Israeli settlements in East Jerusalem are also considered illegal by much of the international community. In April 2021, Human Rights Watch released a 200-page report detailing the many ways Israel's policies toward Palestine allegedly constitute a system of apartheid. And the video that went with that was all from Reuters. God. Billionaire backers. Paying for a genocide. It's horrible. Um, I, by the way, Cynthia says, I can't take credit for asteroid. I heard it somewhere else, but I don't remember where. It sure sounds appropriate, though, and thanks for the wood tips. I, happily, happily. It's, I'm going to have so much fun uh, watching you, Cynthia, at a distance, living vicariously. Learn the, the, the minutia and the, and the workings of that thing. Oh, you're going to have so much fun. Uh, go ahead and get some uh, silicone gloves, you know, the, like, heat-resistant silicone gloves, because they come in awfully handy. And don't ever let them get wet. They are forever drying out. And when a silicone glove gets hot and the interior, like, fleece lining is wet, it doesn't protect your hands from heat very well. I learned that lesson the hard way. Um. Well, uh, uh, Lee in New York, I guess I guess Pope Gregory's math was off because that was the uh, that was the reason for setting January first as New Year's Day. The genital mutilation and that little baby. You know, you think about that. 
the person described in the Gospels had a shit life. He begins it a week old by having the end of his dick lopped off, which hurts like fuck, even if the doctor, and there were no doctors then, says, that's just a baby. They won't remember the pain. Well, if you read somebody like C.G. Jung, he'll tell you that pain and trauma are remembered, but most often buried deeply. Who knows? The, the vast majority of toxic masculinity in this in, in part of parts of the world may just, may just be buried trauma from having their genitals mutilated at the beginning of life. I don't know, but yeah, it's his life starts that way. Then they're on the run because the local governing authority uh, wants to kill him and all the other baby boys, so they have to run to Egypt. And fortunately, there was no one there to stop the border crossings. They become basically illegal immigrants in Egypt. Then he's off the radar for a long time, and by the end of his life, he's being tortured to death. Whipped until his back was bloody, a crown of thorns shoved onto his head, and then physically nailed to a crucifix. Don't know if, don't know that the Romans invented it, but they certainly perfected the technique. Oh, we're back in ancient Rome, aren't we? Julius Caesar told his captors, the the pirates in the Mediterranean, and he he was with them for a while, and they became good friends. And he said, "Listen, y'all, one, you're not asking enough ransom for me." I'm somebody. And that's an insult. And two, once I come back, I'm crucifying every last motherfucking one of you. And you know what? He did. He absolutely did. Hey, look, here comes Gaius Julius Caesar. Hey, how you doing? Ow! I told you... That poor man. That poor non-binary. That poor envy. Oh, and uh, uh, Matt in San Francisco writing, Putin, his fingerprints are all over the Israel thing, all over helping Trump get elected in the first time, the insurrection, the hardening of the politics in the United States. His little troll mills can really steer a national conversation, or at the least create a home for the stupid, crazy people, you know, so they can organize and plan and stuff. Call me simple, but I don't think the 45 has the mental bandwidth to properly coordinate getting the salads out before the main course. But cause chaos, just general chaos and break things, that Trump can handle. Putin, on the other hand, has a sense of history. He understands the world players, and he knows how to provide money and support to people who will cause enough trouble to make Putin look, at the very least, less horrible. 
He's moved the spotlight off himself and placed it on the Middle East. That'll buy him time to figure out what to do next. There's already talk about Ukraine winning by letting Putin keep what he's taken. I wonder where that thought's coming from and gaining legitimate discussion. Hell, he basically owns one of our political parties. Putin is one dangerous MFer. Yes, Matt, yes he is. And why people are not uh, don't see his fingerprints, I don't know. And then this, closer to home, saw this earlier today. Uh, there's been an open letter, I guess you'd call it. Uh, it went out. It went out yesterday. More than 200 active and retired members of the United States military have put their names on an open letter calling for retired and active duty military leaders, Pentagon brass, to be court-martialed because they were they were because they ordered the military wait for it to get the covid vaccine useful idiots The mandate came in in August of 2021 following the approval of the Pfizer vaccine by the FDA. And because they were good at following orders, 98% of the active duty military got vaccinated by December 2022. Because the first job of a military is to be able to be ready for combat and having your military laid low by a damn plague is the antithesis of that 8400 members of the US military were either uh, honorably discharged or generally discharged honorably there's a difference Because they refused to obey a lawful order when they refused to get the vaccine. Early last year, they dropped the vaccine mandate. The entire thing was orchestrated by some asshole named Brad Miller, a a former army officer, Who, put, who, who went on to shitter and posted a shit and I have a hard time seeing this as not being you know probably driven by some godforsaken Russian troll farm at 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time a few minutes ago hoo senior military leaders received an email with a letter attached called the Declaration of Military Accountability I know, because I sent the email. I sent it out on behalf of myself and 230 other signatories of the letter. That letter is not addressed to the military leaders, but to the American people. 
the email was merely to inform these military leaders that there is a group of troops and vets pledging to the American public that we will do everything lawfully within our power to stop the willful destruction of our military by its own leadership. Let's take our country back in 2024 and let's begin by defending our military from its own leadership. You can find the body of the letter below. Soon we'll have it on a website where you can find it as well, as long as well with the names of the 231 signatories. This is some serious dumbass bilge. Uh, some dude named Omar said. As a veteran myself, I concur, C-O-U-N, or C-O-N-Q-U-R, with this letter. And menacingly, some guy named Rick Ferran, who goes by the tank guns, said, No pen and paper is going to fix this. And then Brad Miller responded ominously, no one's saying it is. The words are a pledge of action. The words aren't the end unto themselves. And Vladimir Putin snickers up his sleeve. They complain in their lengthy diatribe. While implementing the COVID-19 vaccine mandate, military leaders broke the law, trampled constitutional rights, denied informed consent, permitted unwilling... That denied informed consent part's fucking hilarious, by the way. Don't ask me why. Permitted unwilling medical experimentation and suppressed the free exercise of religion. Permitted unwilling medical experimentation. Yeah, because they were going to protect themselves with aardvark antifungal paste, lots of drinking pee-pee, and wearing onions in their socks. Military leaders have continued to ignore our communications regarding these injuries and the laws that were broken. So, what these idiots are saying is that they had some nebulous sort of right <sighs> Jesus to be walking plague carriers and spread a deadly virus that could have and did uh, there were outbreaks aboard United States Navy vessels that required those vessels to quarantine, that made those vessels unready to meet their combat requirements. And this dipshit piece of correspondence says that the uh, uh, top commanders enabled lawlessness and the unwilling experimentation on service members. Because they're probably walking around grunting about things like 
myocarditis, even though COVID makes you have worse myocarditis than anything else. In, uh, in addition, uh, these asshats said they betrayed the trust of service members and the American people. Their actions caused irreparable harm to the armed forces and the institutions for which we have fought and bled. Entirely oblivious to the hilarious irony of saying that keeping people from getting the virus harmed the military. These leaders refuse to resign or take any other action to hold themselves accountable, nor have they attempted to repair the harm their policies and actions have caused. And then they stated their goal. We're going to recall from retirement the military leaders who broke the law and convened courts martial for the crimes they committed. And, of course, it's all just a publicity stunt. Because among, among the signatories to the letter is a maggot running for Congress in 2024 from Old Virginia and the 7th Congressional District, Cameron Hamilton, who immediately jumped on social media Humbly, of course. It was an easy decision to sign this. I am committed to defending liberty. Sit, liberty, sit. Woo! And ensuring accountability within our government. Hashtag VAO7. Hashtag weigh the people. And then there's also Chris Coulomb who is a vet running in the 2nd Congressional District of California, and said, I'm proud to sign. The vaccine mandate isn't just about policy. It's about the profound impact on our troops, our institutions, and the principles that guide our country. We're calling for real accountability, seeking to repair the trust and uphold the values at the heart of our military. If you're an officer, you can be recalled from retirement and court-martialed for insubordination, too, you dipshits. Devoutly to be wished, but probably won't happen. That's a damn shame. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I'm, asked, I'm being asked by uh, John on Twitter. Didn't you mention Ben Gavir last week? Yes, I did. Uh, along with his buddy Beelzebub Smotrich. Netanyahu says he's looking for countries to absorb Palestinians from Gaza. His comments are the latest sign that Israel's goal is to ethnically cleanse Gaza of Palestinians. 
The day after Christmas, Netanyahu said at a meeting of his Likud party that he's working to bring about the expansion of Pal- the expulsion of Palestinians from Gaza and looking for countries willing to absorb them. Our problem is countries that are ready to absorb them, and we are working on it. His comments are the latest sign that Israel's ultimate goal is to cleanse Gaza of its 2.3 million Palestinian residents. Cleanse. Cleanse. You know, because they're dirty. And none other than the uh, stupidest woman running for president of the United States, uh, Nimrata Randawa Nikki Haley, Last uh, uh, last week said uh, that Palestinians should migrate to pro-Hamas countries. Because yes, yes, as John intimated, dipshit Ben Gavir, the uh, Israeli neo-Nazi fascist who was identified as such by a Jewish scholar, historian of the Holocaust, is also calling for an ethnic cleansing of Gaza and make the desert bloom. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller said the United States rejects the inflammatory and irresponsible statements from Israeli ministers Smotrich and Ben Gavir. There should be no mass displacement of Palestinians from Gaza. No, those two motherfuckers should be put on trial in The Hague. And then hanged. Uh, By the way, um, David in South Carolina stand reminds us... um, Vlad Pudi, uh, his birthday was October 7th. He is obsessed, David says, with dates. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think that maybe there was a reason, speaking of dates, do you ever think that maybe there was a reason that uh, Al-Qaeda decided to attack us on 9-11, 9-1-1? Emergency, emergency, 911. They're not entirely clueless as to American culture. I mean, hell, some of them learned about 911 because they were in the United States learning how to fly planes but not land them. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Ben Gavir replied, Really appreciate the United States of America, but with all due respect, we're not another star on the American flag. 
The United States is our best friend, but first of all, we will do what is best for the state of Israel. The migration of hundreds of thousands from Gaza will allow the residents of the enclave to return home and live in security and protect the IDF soldiers. <laughs> the residents will return. He means he means Israeli occupiers, y'all. By the way, uh, Ben Gavir in years past, just two weeks before the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin, Ben Gavir posed with a Cadillac hood ornament and said he had stolen it from Yitzhak Rabin's car. saying, just like we got to this emblem, we could get to Rabin. Two weeks later, Ichak Rabin was murdered in cold blood by an Israeli fascist. He also has eight criminal convictions by Israeli courts. Convicted of supporting a terrorist organization, incitement to racism. As we mentioned last week, he was bounced out and refused uh, induction into the IDF because he's an extremist. And now the very same police that arrested him and saw him convicted have to answer to this monstrosity, this fascist garbage. Good God. Told you. More on Monday, Titanic Tuesday, all rolled into one. And by the way, at the halfway point of the program, it would be great if we could uh, round up a hundred bucks and uh, completely eliminate the deficit from the end of December. Thank you to anyone who wants to help. And uh, while we're at it, the the stress line's open, 844-843-4676, 844-THE-HORN. You can also get through at 304-574-8178. And, of course, on Skype, Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaid Horn, K-I-N-C-A-I-D-H-O-R-N. And like I said, uh, since this whole thing went down in Israel, in Gaza, 
I hate talking about this. There are so many things in the United States of America that are so much more important than anything happening in that benighted desert. Anything. Anything. But in times like this, there is a certain importance... A certain importance to maybe it's spiritual, philosophical. I don't know what you call, what you might want to call it, but important to be on the right side of history and condemn evil and condemn atrocities when they happen. I've been unequivocal in condemning what Hamas did, and what Israel is now doing is equally condemnable because it is not self-defense it is slaughter for slaughter's sake and you know there's one other problem that comes with all of this and it's not a problem for the Palestinians and fascists being fascists are too goddamn stupid and bloody-minded to realize it, but, and this is important, Israel's vaunted military has been exposed. And the countries that truly hate Israel now know that Israel cannot win in a fight with anyone except unarmed civilians. And don't think for a second that the mullahs in Iran don't know that. The only difference being that Israel has nukes. And Iran does not. Now, if anybody but Israel ever nuked Saudi Arabia, we would nuke whoever nuked Saudi Arabia for Saudi Arabia. What did what did Einstein say? I do not know how World War Three will be fought, but I know how World War Four will be with sticks and stones. And it's going to feel sickening when this genocide is accomplished. And the generations as yet ungotten and unborn will spit on the ground at the mention of the generations that sat by, watched it happen, and did nothing. or at the generations that perpetrated it. Meanwhile, in Ukraine, 
the war that actually matters, where democracy itself is being tested to its utmost. Putin's forces of evil unleashed horrific missile attacks on Kiev and on Kharkiv. I'm sure to the delight of Representative Sporkfoot from Georgia and the rest of her maggot ilk. And then there's Claudine Gay. I'd hoped that Harvard would stand their ground and defend her. And at first they said they would. Claudine Gay resigned as president of Harvard University today, mid-afternoon. under the cloud of a growing plagiarism scandal. So, she's out, an interim named Garber will run Harvard until the selection process can be completed to find a new president. And here's what I hope. I, I hope, because this person is bound to exist, I hope that Harvard selects a new president who is a Palestinian Muslim woman. Just so it'll make Elsie Stupidnik's head feel like it's going to pop like an overripe melon. That vulgar, racist harpy. Sexist language, sorry. That vulgar, racist creature got her heart's desire. A black woman's pelt nailed on her door. Make no mistake that maggot that she is, Elsie Stupidnik, is a racist and is a bigot. The absolute best outcome really, would be for the next president of Harvard to be a queer Muslim woman of Palestinian descent with impeccable credentials 
and the ability to tell the the Elsie Stupidniks of the world to fuck right off right up a tree. Because this is just another this is just another data point in a long line. of the bigotry and the racism that is the maggot party and the fascist urge to make sure that only things that fascists approve of are taught in the academy and it will not bode well I said that I and many others entered 2024 with a great deal of trepidation. And I do. Three members of North Carolina's congressional delegation are basically out of a job. They've been gerrymandered out of their jobs. They have not been removed by the voice of the people. They are all three Democrats. Their replacements are all but guaranteed to be maggots. And this was all accomplished through a truly mind-bending degree of gerrymandering in North Kakalaki. At least one of those members of Congress is, of course, a man of color. Uh, the uh, the Hill describing what's coming in November in North Carolina as an electoral bloodbath. It may not be national, but in North Carolina, November will probably bring a red wave, a real one this time. North Carolina has 14 members in its congressional delegation. They will pick up, the the maggots will, at least three, maybe four seats. And that would be enough to double the majority, that, uh, as the Hill notes, that the, 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 the maggots have in the House now. How did they accomplish it? Well, the Hill notes that the newly redrawn maps have taken Democratic districts and crammed more people, more Democratic voters into those districts, and then they took uh, they, they they took their scalpels and they cut up other districts so that the Democrats who got moved are replaced by maggots who will do as they're told. Representatives Kathy Manning, Jeff Jackson, and Wiley Nickel all said, huh, we're retiring. There's no way we can win. 
Representative Don Davis, a Democrat, uh, is also fighting uphill for re-election. The aforementioned Kathy Manning said, there is no question that the way they have drawn these maps, they've made it impossible for three of us Democrats to win our seats again. She represents a a district that's basically uh, Greensboro. And she won going away in 2022 by nine points. But the maggots crammed ten hayseed wool hat counties into the district. And it runs all the way to the border with Tennessee. Kathy Manning said, I've looked at the map every which way to see if there's any way possible to win and you cannot overcome a 16-point advantage. The overall swing was 26 points. The funny thing, though, is that North Carolina is actually neither red nor blue, but purple-ish. There's almost the same number of Democrats registered as there are Republicans. Democrats hold a 2% uh, lead. In the House right now, seven seats are held by Democrats, seven seats are held by Republicans. That will be that will turn into three Democrats and eleven Republicans. Again, not due to the will of the voters, but due to the will of gerrymandering members of the North Carolina maggot legislature. Yet meanwhile, the maggots themselves are saying, uh, uh, well, the Senate leader, Phil Berger, for years, plaintiffs and activist courts have manipulated our Constitution to achieve policy outcomes that could not be won at the ballot box. Today's rulings affirm that our Constitution cannot be exploited to fit the political whims of left-wing Democrats, just right-wing maggots. I added the last part. Uh, meanwhile, another liar, the Speaker of the Republican North Carolina House, said, uh, We've ensured that our Constitution and the will of the people of North Carolina are honored. Uh, no. Uh, Jeff Jackson, one of the retiring members of the House, is running for Attorney General of North Carolina. And uh, he said, 
I don't know if voters fully appreciate yet the amount of power that's been taken out of their hands and the extent to which all of these elections have been decided in advance essentially for the rest of the decade. Kathy Manning said the thing that's so shameful is that the court of its own will pulled back the case that they had decided in the last term, same facts, same law, and decided, oh, we were wrong. Political gerrymandering is okay in North Carolina. I mean, it's obvious. The only thing that changed was the political composition, the political parties of the justices. And even Craven McCarthy can be heard from in this story. Kathy Manning said, The only time I ever talked to Kevers, I was asking him for something that I wanted to participate in, and he looked at me and he said, I need three seats in North Carolina. Couldn't have been more clear. And he won't get it because he's leaving. But that's what the resulting gerrymandering is going to give them. Three seats in North Carolina where, if the maps were fairly drawn, we'd have seven and seven. So, once again, organizations trying to protect the vote are suing. A uh, new lawsuit was filed uh, the day after Christmas by the NAACP and Common Cause with a claim that the new gerrymandered maps dilute black voices, which was the whole point of the exercise. Seeing as how they can't use Chinese restaurant menu, uh, uh, menus anymore for literacy tests and can't, and can't ask people if they can write, uh, and then tell them to sign their name with a ballpoint pen on wax paper. And meanwhile, Jeff Jackson said, I don't think there's any ethical defense for using redistricting to advantage one party or the other. Seems as that is ethically clear-cut as bank robbery. The only people who can defend it are the ones who are in on it. And there we are. Uh, note uh, coming in from Kim in New York. Happy New Year to you and your wonderful family. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Subject line of the, of the note is racism, violence, and Israeli soccer. Over the holiday last week, I happened upon a documentary called Forever Pure. Are you familiar with it? I seem, it seems like I've heard of it. I have not seen it. It's about an Israeli soccer team called Jerusalem Baitat. Their racist, thuggish fans called La Familia. And the violent reaction to the two players from Chechnya who joined their team. I literally watched with my mouth agog. I just could not believe the shameless, outright racism displayed by these fans whose hate for Arabs and Muslims ran through their veins and who refused to accept the addition of these players to their team. It also illustrates how the violence and hate was, is, used as a political tool by Netanyahu and the Likud party to increase their power. 
Okay, there's a link at YouTube. Uh, Forever Pure. I need to sit down and watch this. Thank you for the recommendation. Kim, I appreciate it. I do. And the, oh, by the way, the, <laughs> there are some people who are yet trying to maintain some semblance of democracy in Israel. The Israeli Supreme Court, of all places, uh, yesterday struck down Bibi's attempt to, well, to gag and hogtie the judicial system. It was an eight to seven vote, a declaration that the Knesset at Bibi's connivance, uh, passed the, an amendment to the so-called reasonableness law should be struck down. Now, in Israeli legal theory, you can't say things like unconstitutional because our partner in peace, the only democracy in the Middle East actually doesn't have a constitution. They have a set of what are referred to as basic laws. And so the Israeli Supreme Court said, nope, that law is not reasonable to say that we can't declare when laws are reasonable or unreasonable. And one of the best effects of this ruling is that it could shatter Psycho Bibi's fragile fascist cabinet. But then again, the Beelzebub Smotrich and what's-his-fuck Ben Gavir types will hang on to power for all they're worth. I mean, what does that say? They let a, they let a guy who bragged about being able to get to Ichak Rabin two weeks before he was murdered, was criminally convicted eight times, and they let him into the cabinet. He's not in the war cabinet, but he's in the cabinet. And he runs the police. I mean... The parallels... Oh, the parallels... with Heinrich Himmler are unavoidable.
Himmler, of course, was the Reichsführer of the Schutzstaffel and one of the leading members of the Nazi Party. Schutzstaffel Protection Squad is where the name SS comes from. And just as Heinrich Himmler was the architect of the final solution, so too uh, uh, what's his fuck Ben Gavir and Beelzebub Smotrich are the architects of a final solution for Gaza. You remember the clip from last week where Bibi Netanyahu could be heard in 2001 saying that he, his, his, his plan was to make life so horrible, to inflict so much pain that the agony of Palestinian pain would echo for generations. Here we are. By the way, I had a note from Ralphs a little bit ago. She said, come on, y'all, make me pay. There's $100 to go. Bruce and Karen's memorial challenge has been met. And we've got $100 to go to finish off the deficit and current funding for this brand new year. By the way, I said Israel doesn't have a constitution. It's true. But neither does the UK. We decided we wanted to put ours in writing. So in a constitutionless country, you have a reasonableness standard. The UK, Canada, and Australia all use the reasonableness doctrine. The funny thing is, though, the Supreme Court in Israel previously had declared it unreasonable for Psycho Bibi to have one of his key minions in the cabinet with him, Arya Derry, the Israeli Supreme Court said, no, he can't be any kind of cabinet minister whatsoever because, wait for it, he's got a string of criminal convictions. And he also said last year that he would retire from public life and then didn't. Bibi, meanwhile, looked at his crooked friend and said, I must comply with the court's, dec- the court's order with a heavy heart, with great sorrow, because he was waving bye-bye to one of his fascist pals.
And see, they also want uh, those fascists. They want to be able to have the final say in who gets to be a judge. Remember that line from Shakespeare? It is in what? Is it in one of the? Is it in one of the Henry plays, or is it Richard the Third, or Richard the Second? One, but somewhere there are conspirators, and you can see this emblazoned on T-shirts because people think they're cute, being cute when they wear it. The first thing we do. Let's kill all the lawyers. Everybody, ha, 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 ha. But some of us say, hey, you know who says that line in the play? First thing we do, let's kill all the lawyers. People who want to live in a lawless criminal society and commit crimes at their own whim. That's who says the first thing let's do, let's kill all the lawyers. Shakespeare knew what he was doing. So the Israeli Supreme Court said, nope, your attempt to capture the judiciary ain't reasonable. They went on and said the amendment was unreasonable because it would deal a severe and unprecedented blow to the core characteristics of the state of Israel as a, emphasis here, democratic state. That was kind of the point, your honors. The ironic thing is that there were seven members of the Israeli Supreme Court who were willing to put themselves in the Knesset and Bibi's bondage. Oh well. And there's what's his fuck Ben Gavir again reacting to the court's ruling. He said, Oh, the ruling is um illegal. And it's harming forces fighting in Gaza. Wave that bloody shirt, you filthy fucking neo-Nazi. And went on to say, this is a dangerous anti-democratic event. And at this time, above all, a ruling that harms Israel's war effort against its enemies. Yeah. 70% of the dead among whom are women and children. Enemies. And they're using the war as a shield. Because there's another fascist in the cabinet by the name of Yariv Levin. He's the Minister of Justice, for fuck's sake. He said the Supreme Court's ruling was the opposite of the spirit of unity required these days for the success of our fighters on the front. And then the Likud party itself said, this is unfortunate. It's against the will of the people for unity, especially during wartime. 
Now, it's worth remembering in all of this that there were literally hundreds of thousands of Israelis in the streets calling for Bibi Netanyahu's, well, everything short of Bibi Netanyahu's head on a spit, and probably that, too, in opposition to this attempt to neuter the Israeli judiciary. Man, those fascists do love their bloody shirts, don't they? See this? It's a bloody shirt. I'm waving it to get your attention, to keep you from paying attention to the fact that we're a bunch of goddamn bloodthirsty fucking fascists. Amir Ohana is the speaker of the Knesset, who also said, he's got his own blood-soaked shirt, A time of war is certainly not the time to establish a first precedent of its kind in the history of the country. Yeah, but they didn't do that. They just said that basically the hardcore fascist right wing in Israel, which is substantial, doesn't get to doesn't get to turn Israel in any more into a fascist shithole. And for all the bloody shirt waving, the problem is the Supreme Court had to issue its ruling by January 12th and what's his fuckface Ben Gavir's beloved war ain't gonna be over by then. Two of the justices on the opinion had to release their opinion by January 12th because they've already retired and January 12th was the drop-dead date for the opinion. Because it had to be issued within three months of stepping down. Now, interestingly, the opposition leader... Yair Lapid uh, went on to the website formerly known as Twitter and said that the Supreme Court had faithfully fulfilled its role in protecting the citizens of Israel. You'll notice he said nothing about the war. Nor did he wave any bloody, uh, bloody vestments. He continued and said, if the Israeli government again starts the quarrel over the Supreme Court, then they have learned nothing. They didn't learn anything on October 7th. They didn't learn anything from 87 days of war for our home. And that strikes me as being eminently true. Fascists don't learn from disasters. Fascists create disasters. And I'm not sitting here saying that either in Gaza or the West Bank uh, there's anything even vaguely resembling Athenian-style democracy. Governance in the entire region 
is and mostly always has been government by strongman. Probably going all the way back to Asher Banapal or David or Ramses. Who is this Moses? I'm thinking this Moses should have been a fool. I devote a lot more time to this topic than it deserves and not nearly enough time to Ukraine, which desperately deserves it. Caught this little tidbit earlier today. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Cynthia. Cynthia just jumped in and uh, took us down to $75 to go on the remaining fundraising to bring us up even with the first show of 2024. Thank you, Cynthia. Uh, This is... uh, Distressing. You know, just as an aside, everybody knows I'm a huge Al Stewart fan because I love his the fact that he knows history and can write really compelling songs about it. And over the weekend, with the new year coming, I listened to a song from his Between the Wars album. Tell me another rock star that writes something like an album Between the Wars. It's really one of his best. I think it's underappreciated. It opens with Night Train to Munich. It also has uh, League of Notions, which is a fucking brilliant examination of the redrawing of the maps after the First World War. But what I listened to over the weekend, because it just got all over my my, my poor little brains, was a song from that album called Laughing into 1939. Recalling, of course, that the Second World War began on September 1st, 1939. It's a really pretty song. It's basically set at a New Year's Eve party. Oh, the party draws them in. It breathes and moves to a life of its own. In its arms, it's gathering all time from the dark. All time. From the dark, he watches her moving in and out of the bobbing crowd. If she even notices, she gives no sign. She's laughing into 1939. For tonight is New Year's Eve. Uncork your spirits and welcome it in. Who knows what it's got up its sleeve? Can't wait for it all to begin. 
out onto the balcony come the king and queen, and the crowd go wild. He's a little bit nervous, but that's just fine. And they're laughing, laughing into 1939. Oh, laughing, laughing into 1939. And I felt a little like that on New Year's Eve 2023. Because I feel I know what's up 2024's sleeve. And I'm not going to, I don't want to be some nervous Nelly. But damn. That's a lot. There's a lot coming. We have reason to feel that sense of trepidation I've been talking about. Yeah, I know. Titanic Tuesday. Here comes Roxanne. Little ray of fucking sunshine. But it wouldn't it be insane to pretend that everything's okay when it so very obviously isn't? Maybe it's just seasonal. Maybe I need more time. Maybe I really do need to get the french fry lamp in here or something no I don't think it's seasonal affective disorder syndrome and I don't think this has to do anything with prophecy or reading the future or a frayed uh, frayed purple robe with tattered moons and stars applique on it and will thee kiss me in the dark baby written in glow in the dark paint across the front It has to do with things that you, I, me, we, our little family, community, congregation can see before our very eyes and the potential instills a sense of horror. I can't wait. Yeah, I can, but it's like... you know how waiting to go you know how waiting to go to the dentist is so much worse than going to the dentist? That. This is that. I'm waiting for the perennial terminal fuck ups of the West Virginia maggot legislature to come back in session and try to declare my life illegal again. So, you know, kind of strap in, because I'll probably be talk, talking about, it's trauma season for anybody who isn't maggot, white, straight, Christian, and preferably male right now. See how many ways there are to lose your privilege? Not white, no privilege. Not Christian, no privilege. Not male, no privilege. Not straight, no privilege. Well, thank you, Darlene. I'm actually kind of, that's one of my better impressions, if the truth be told. 
My damn, Darlene said that Yule Brenner impersonation was epic. For some reason or another, maybe it's because I first wasn't Anne Bancroft beautiful in the Ten Commandments. <sighs> I remember watching that when I was little, the first time, and seeing all the painted, brilliantly painted architecture that was ancient Egypt. And I had only just begun perusing a book by C.W. Saram. I, I, I don't know. I think that's how you pronounce it. I think it was translated from German into English called God's Graves and Scholars. And it was my first introduction to archaeology. And I fell in love. And there was a plate in the book, black and white, of the unwrapped, mummified face of Ramses II. who, when he died at a great age, probably had a horrible toothache, it turns out. There's nothing worse than a toothache. Just, mm, it's a trip to pain, pain Everest. Because it's like you can get no relief. Because you can't. And then you're at the dentist. How do I get myself into these loops? But to a child, to see Yul Brenner there, dude was buff. Bare to the waist with his torso all oiled up and that voice. And then to see the unwrapped mummy, 82, that, that died at 82. and was hailed as one of the greatest pharaohs of ancient Egypt. The voice just imprinted. Mrs. Anna, take a letter to Abraham Lincoln. Dear President Lincoln. Stop it. Now, now I'm just being silly. But that's okay. There's room for silly in a hybrid Moran Monday, Titanic Tuesday episode. Sometimes sometimes I feel like they are episodes. Oh, good God. Emery, get in here. She's having one of her episodes again. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. That's, I love that photo. A church there in British Columbia. Highlands United Church. And it's got a great big Pride Progress flag. You know, the one with the triangle and the rainbow flag put together. A certain brother deacon said, God dang queers dragging our Lord and Savior's name through the muck. I'm a-moving from this here wicked town. And I read it exactly as he wrote it. Oh, I know, I know. The nerve of them thinking they can love Jesus and that Jesus loved them. (sighs) 
But no, we've got we've got some we got some Titanic Tuesday, Morian Monday silliness and stupidity. Oh, 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 I didn't finish the story. And I'm going to, I promise, I'm going to the stress line. I got sidetracked. Over the weekend, Poland had to scramble uh, fighter jets. Oh, it was today, not over the weekend. They scrambled fighter jets because, wait for it, with the escalation of the bombardment of Ukraine, uh, one Russian-made missile actually crossed into Polish airspace on its way to hitting some apartment building, killing some civilians. Isn't that curious? Putin's a fascist, fascist and, and, and he's, Putin's killing... Ukrainian civilians who never lifted a finger against Mother Russia. And Bibi Netanyahu's a fascist. And he's busily and eagerly slaughtering innocent civilians in Gaza who also never raised a finger against Israel. It's worth noting, of course, that Poland is one of our NATO partners. And so, yeah, they um, they scrambled two pairs of F-16s and a tanker plane early this morning. Poland's operational command went onto the website, uh, formerly known as Twitter, and said, We would like to inform you that intensive long-range aviation activity of the Russian Federation is being observed, which is related to carrying out strikes on the territory of Ukraine. We scrambled the jets in order to ensure the safety of Polish airspace. So the deputy foreign minister... Vladislav uh, Teofil Bartoszewski called the Russian charge d'affaires Andrei Odash on the carpet and demanded an explanation. Mother Russia said, we will give no explanations until you present concrete evidence which we will then not accept and still not give explanation. Uh, Ordash then uh, told Russian state media, Note I received contained only unfounded accusation. Uh, Poland refuses to provide ev- evidence that the missile was of Russian origin. Well, who the fuck else's missile could it be, Andre? Is perhaps Polish missile gone rogue? Maybe it was Ukrainian missile, camouflaged with Cyrillic script. They are crafty, these Ukrainians. 
They killed 25 people and, and wounded 108, according to uh, spokes creeps in Mother Russia. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Ukraine killed 25 Russians and wounded 108, and that's why Mother Russia is now barraging Ukraine. Because it's okay for Russia, Mother Russia, to do whatever Mother Russia wants to Ukraine. Ukraine should not be fighting back. Uh, in, in this morning's attack, the Russians killed five people and injured, uh, injured 112. Uh, the uh, uh, um, top brass, one General Villery Zelushny, uh, said the Ukrainian Air Force had knocked out 10 out of 10 hypersonic Kinzhal Kinzhal, Kinzhal missiles with the Patriot Air Defense System that we provided them. He said, this is a record. General Zelushny said, if the missiles hit their targets, the consequences would be catastrophic. But they brought them down. So Lushny uh, was not <sighs> mincing any words. He said, there's no reason to believe the enemy is going to stop here. Therefore, we need more systems and munitions for them. Well, go talk to Representative Sporkfoot. <laughs> On second thought, don't. She's an idiot. President Vladimir Zelensky said, Our air defense soldiers have been doing an incredible job for three days now. Since December 31st, the Russian inhumans ooh, have already used about 170 Shahed's drones, uh, Persian and Iranian in origin, and dozens of missiles of various types. The vast majority of them were aimed at civilian targets. Kiev was reported on fire. One hundred and thirty people evacuated from a high-rise building in uh, Solomansky district. Twenty people rescued. Twenty people injured in Kiev in total. So these are apparently incendiary. Explosives. Uh, <laughs> Ralph says, oh, Robin, your inner Chekhov is coming out. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's hard not to do the really dumb uh, Ivan the Terrible Kincaid impression when talking about the Russian government. 
Yul Brenner dialogue. <laughs> uh, Lee in New York says, uh, the king of Siam wanted to send two male elephants to America. Have to ask, was one of them trans? Well, you know, Siam is now Thailand, and Thailand is known for the quality of its sex reassignment surgery. Lee. Yeah, over the, yeah, the, the rocket entered um, Polish airspace on Saturday. They scrambled the jets this morning. Just showing the flag, y'all. What's next, Randy Gradar asks. Work will make you free? Feels like it. Okay, I've, I, I, have, I have blathered on and, uh, and kept some poor soul on hold. Hey, welcome to the program. Good evening, Robin. Dave, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, ladies. Uh, I, I wonder if uh, you did your Yul Brenner impression, if you uh, said, who is this BB? <laughs> I am thinking this. BB, 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 who is this BB? I am thinking this BB shall have been a fool. Exactly. I mean, and I agree with you about him stepping on his dead brother for fun and profit. Always a maniac. This man needs. Well, you know what? I think he and Donald Trump should both share a cell in the head. Yes, yes. Uh, I for 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 purposes of reasonableness. I will agree. I think they should be tried. There, there's not, nothing that says the International Criminal Court would not be fair to them. They would have access to lawyers and to defend themselves. I mean, if we're willing to put uh, Serbian dictators there, then we should be able to put old Russian dictators or American dictators or, hell, even Israeli dictators. Hey, you know, let's be balanced about it. Let's uh, let's send some some sort of elite squad out, capture uh, capture capture a, 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 the leader of Hamas, snag Bibi, take him to the hog hag hog, <laughs> and uh, give him give him a nice fair trial. Hell, try them together. Make them sit next to each other. Put and, them and in maybe, the same cell together and, and see and, which one comes out alive. You know, you remind me of a story. Uh, nah, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. But, you know, while we're at it, we can send what's-his-fuck Ben Gavir along to the Hague, too, and even Beelzebub Smotrich. Just have a have a have a, a house cleaning and and get all the creepy crawly fascists out. Well, um, 
I'm trying to think who the Russian fascist who years ago demanded that the United States turn Alaska over to Russia again, or they were going to declare a nuclear war against the United States. I, having lived in Alaska, I looked over at my father and said, can you imagine how the Russians would react to a native Alaskan woman telling them to go fuck themselves um, if, if they took back over it? I mean, Alaska tends to be a contrarian state anyway. They don't like anybody governing. That's why uh, Godzilla from Wasilla got into office for a term and a half until nobody liked her no more after the presidential election. You know, the, the woman who approved the bridge that went to nowhere. Right. Godzilla, so, yeah. Godzilla from Wasilla. The second politician that my father has voted for that resigned from office, the first being Richard Pinhead Nixon. Thank you, Mr. Kerman. But I think, Robin, that we should all consider this. This is a new year, and we should spend the next 300 days or so just getting in their fucking faces. Um, I did some calculate birthday cake calculation. When the horn's birthday occurs, which happens, Christine was born the day after Buddy Holly died. Okay, the day the music died was February 3rd, 1959, when Christine and her twin brother were born the next day. And then years later, the horn was born on the 4th. Yes. That's 150 candles. Wow. Girl, girl, I'm saying this right now. Mark my words. You're going to have to have a fire extinguisher because that's going to be one toasty little studio. Uh, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, wouldn't bother me at this point in time because, uh, well, it's 50, 58 degrees here in the studio. I've got the heaviest tights on that I own. I've got a sweatshirt on. I've got a hoodie over that. Well, I'm actually, instead of doing the usual microwave thing that I do, I'm actually cooking on the stove just to keep things warm around here. It's only like 31 degrees outside. And I gotta go out in this shit tomorrow. Because, in its infinite wisdom, the uh, people who administer food stamps also administer Medicaid in Indiana because of black grants. And that being a, a way for 
fascist in Indiana and other states to have a slush fund where the where the funds don't actually have to be used exactly for as long as some of the stuff gets spent. You know the drill. Um, I've been thrown off Medicaid, so they're not paying my Medicare premium. What the fuck? And, yeah, I just found out last week. Ah, Jesus, Dave. I went from what should be $1,345 a month. They put $1,005 in my account this month. I'm paying $340 for my insurance because I didn't turn in some paperwork on time. So my friend Wolf is taking me to the Social Security office. I'm getting a printout of my benefits for the last year and this year, and I'm taking it into the food stamp office, and I'm going to look over at him and say, all right, God damn it, reinstate this. And grand, uh, grandfather it while you're at it. Yeah, exactly. And why didn't you guys call me and tell me that this paperwork was needed? Because I'm, I'm low vision. So stuff coming in the mail can get passed over pretty quick. And I mean, I'm not legally blind, but my eyesight's not that great. I still have Medicare because I paid the uh, premium this month. I mean, the 110 or whatever that the government takes out of the check to pay for Medicare anyway, I could absorb that easily. It's the, it's the other 230 or so that I'm paying to a private corporation for not that fucking much service. And I just found out that my psychologist is now out of their uh, plan, approved plan. So I have to pay 20 bucks more a session for him. Because I said, well, you can change doctors right now. And I said, fuck no. I've been, I've been working with this man for the last almost, well, let's see, since 2011. And he's kept me alive. Um, and even helped me through, uh, my surviving a suicide attempt back in 2012. So when I say hell no, I mean it. And I find it ironic that they wait until after the the open enrollment is done to inform me of this change in their policy. And I'm I'm tempted to go to the uh, Indiana Department of Insurance and file a uh, complaint about timely notification and how it is a uh, conflict of interest for a health insurance company to wait until after open enrollment to inform people who are on their plan that um, there's going to be a change. 
because they waited until the last very fucking second they could. Um, so if you're in a maggot state and you're on Medicare and you've got a supplement policy, make sure that the, the doctors and the health providers you go to, the mental health professionals you go to, are in the plan, and if not, file a complaint if you want, uh, file a complaint if you want, uh, informed in a timely fashion. Because I don't know how, if they're found to be in violation in the state of Indiana, that's automatically a $25,000 fine to the company. And if there's enough of these complaints, an insurance company can be told by a uh, Department of Insurance that they are no longer allowed to uh, sell insurance in their jurisdiction. And believe me, even a, a Blue Cross Blue Shield would quake in its boots if it ever happened. But you have to remember, while um, while commissioners of insurance are usually from the insurance industry and therefore won't touch their their fellow insurers, uh, if there's enough protest, it would happen because the pressure on the governor at least in Indiana, and it's generally across the country because a lot of these regulations are, are almost identical um, across the country. The uh, commissioner of insurance serves at the pleasure of the government. Naturally. And there was one man when um, Mitch Daniels became governor, that Daniels wanted to tap for commissioner and the guy looked over and said, fuck no. Why? Because he was making $2 million on his insurance agency and he wasn't willing to give that up and post a $50,000 charity bond to protect the state of Indiana in case he misbehaved while in office. Um, and he would have to divest himself of his agency to appear neutral. And in India, in, in most jurisdictions, a commissioner of insurance has the power of a state magistrate. So their rulings have the effect of law. I, I, can, I can quote all that because I used the legal portion of the insurance exam. I'm quite proud of that. You should be. It's not easy. Um, no, there were four questions on my life insurance exam, and you had to get 35% of each section right. So you could only miss one question on the legal portion. And... It's not easy because there are hundreds of regulations 
and you go through about 30 or 40 of them just in the legal sections, um, mostly to do with compliance and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, your average consumer does not know how to file a complaint with the department. Oh no! And, it's it's made um, it is it is made in a, in a place like Talabandiana. I am sure it is made deliberately opaque and obtuse. Well, people think you have to have a lawyer to do it. You don't. No, you don't. In many instances, however, and I'm not talking about people who've done their homework and understand the process like you, but it's a it can be a Byzantine process. If, if you don't have an insurance professional or a lawyer guiding you, you're absolutely right. The interesting thing is lawyers in their practice to help advise their clients are allowed to give advice on insurance. But they're not allowed to sell it unless they have a producer's license which is the license that says you can practice in your particular jurisdiction yeah I mean and um, I mean I'm so old I can remember a time when, when, when insurance agents couldn't sell financial instruments But we apparently thought better now, of that. Now the re- now the reputable ones, because I worked for a financial services company, and one of the products they offered was life insurance. Yeah, but you couldn't sell securities without a securities license. I was and in a, I was in an insurance office the other day, and they had their little. Their little board sitting on an easel, you know. Today's CD rates of return. I always that always just, and, and I'm probably going to piss somebody off, but I always, I, I always treated that with some degree of skepticism because it felt a lot like I was in a W.C. Fields movie and being offered shares in a beefsteak mine. Well, remember, I mean, what was the percentage rate they were offering? Right? Oh, I, don't, I don't even remember. Uh, it, it, it was was it like like less than two percent? Oh fuck yes! I mean, you you, you needed a microscope okay, to actually a, see it. A certificate of deposit. Usually, if you get to one percent, you're doing good. But there's a rule that you can apply called the rule of seventy-two. You take the percentage and you divide it into 72. And that is the number of years it will take for your money to double or your debt to double. And there's actually a rule. So like you take $1,000 and divide it by 72? Well, yeah, it would take you 72 years, which means... Your uh, your kids might be dead by the time it actually doubles. Yeah. Your grandkids would be around, but yeah, 
Um, and there are regulations against, like, since I don't have a, uh, a securities license, I can't make a uh, representation of anything over 12%. So if somebody, you know, says, well, I can, I can give you an 18% return, you immediately, and without even a thought, demand to see their securities licensing um, because without that securities licensing, they can't go above 12%. I know this sounds like I'm on my soapbox, and I am, but I figure since I've got the training and I am a former insurance agent and I understand this, I, I can edu- I can still educate the Horn Family Community Congregation on some basics to protect themselves. But the rule of seventy two applies either for debt or for, or for uh, savings or anything like that. So when you see these percentage rates in the bank, you know damn good and well they're making a lot more on that money than you are because they're learning it out and they're investing it in the market and nine ways to Sunday. And the problem with some of these bank failures were, you know, that happened last year was that a lot of that debt was unsecured. Their percentage of unsecured debt was too high. Yeah, who gets it? Who gets it? I mean, I remember in law school learning about non-recourse loans. And I remember thinking at the time, one, what kind of people get those kind of loans? You know, a non-recourse loan is a loan where if it doesn't get paid back, the lender can't do shit about it. And the second question was, what kind of dipshit financial institution would ever enter into one of those things? Oh, if you decide to stiff me, it's, it'll be okay. I'll just give. Why don't I just give you the money? It's commission driven. Okay, the people that work for these institutions, and this is where you need to ask how they're being compensated. At banks, it's usually there's a set salary, and then if they've got a securities license, they can they can get a commission. Usually, these people that have securities licenses, if you get an investment advisor at a bank, they're not actually employees of the bank. They're an outside broker they bring in. And so you got to be real careful about asking who's coming compensating them because the people that would write those loans are people that are working on commissions. It's like when, uh, when the, uh, Wells Fargo, uh, bank fraud where they were ginning up, uh, new accounts 
for people who didn't ask for them just so they could get a commission for increasing the bank's business. And it was all paper and smoke and mirrors. And frankly, I think some people should have gone to prison for it. Um, Most likely. There's there's a lot of dirt in the financial services industry. And when the Republicans look over and say, all those job-killing regulations, the financial services industry and, you know, is has been crooked since Jesus was a private in God's army. They, uh, there's always a way they can get over. And, and, and you hear the lawyers go, caveat emptor. Well, if you don't have the education or you don't have God's money and lawyers protecting you, then how in the hell are you supposed to know? That's why fine print is so small. You got to have magnifying glasses just to read it. And then it's usually double speak. Well, because it's written by lawyers. It's not, again, we're back to opaque and Byzantine. Right. And, and lawyers only get paid when there's litigation involved. You know, unless they're working as a prosecutor somewhere where they get paid by the by the public purse, um, a lawyer's not going to take a case unless there's money involved. <laughs> you know, it's the old adage of get the money up front, get the money up front, get the money up front. Yeah, those it's are- the same in finances. It's in the, it's the same in financial services. Get them to sign on the dotted line and get the commission. And then check in once a year so you can stay compliant. If that, you know, as long as you, you're not it, you're not giving them bad advice and you have to, I hate to say it, but you have to question the motives of, of some representatives because it's all about making the commissions. Uh, it was a little different when I worked, the office I worked at. The commissions were good, go and get the commission, but it had to be to the benefit of the client. There are anti-churning laws, which churning is in insurance is when you get sold multiple policies, especially life insurance policy. Um, you know, that's why you get these letters, and I get them all the time from my insurance provider to increase my coverage is because they already have me as a client. And if I increase my coverage, the agent who wrote that, if he's still with the company, gets another commission. If not, it goes to someone else in the company or it goes to the company itself. 
so, you know, if the Republicans get control of the White House, they've already got control of the courts, and they take over the Congress. Uh, Yeah, look, there's a substantial likelihood they're going to get the Senate. We need... It just works out that way, but this is one of those election cycles where we have to defend 25 seats and they have to defend 10. And And some of those are just lost causes, like my beloved West Virginia. Yeah. I mean... Zach Shrewsbury is a great is a great young Democratic candidate. I hope he gets the nomination, and I hope he can get the money to mount a a credible campaign against make West Virginia great big old Governor Jim Justice. Oh God! And baby dog. Oh good Lord! I remember when he switched parties after being a Democrat for twelve seconds. Right, that's the thing. He switched parties twice. He was a Republican all his life. Joe Manchin said, "Hey, you can be governor if you're a Democrat." He switched parties. Trump won, and then by God, he was a Republican all over again. He wasn't expecting Nitwit Nero to win any more than anybody else was. But he's an opportunist. And a guy like uh, Justice is a a fake populist, just like Manchin. You know, they'll they'll blather on about all the people of West Virginia this or the people of West Virginia that. Well, you know, Jimmy. Why don't you just retire, go down to the Greenbrier, check yourself into a room, and just live out the rest of your days with baby dog? And, you know, just enjoy the rest of your life and get all fat and happy like you want to. But no, it's all about power. So... I don't know what Joe Manchin is is doing. I don't think he knows what he's doing. But I wouldn't underestimate him. After all the years I've been listening to you, I wouldn't doubt if he comes out in support of Trump. Because what does he give a damn? Right. Oh, and by the, by the way, uh, uh, this is a good place for me to mention. Uh, Darlene in Connecticut uh, sent along a uh, note earlier. Um, headline from USA Today, it's a new year and a whole new John Fetterman. He's kissing his progressive ways goodbye. Um, Darlene said, well, he didn't last long. USA Today referring to him as a unicorn, someone who thinks for himself and dares to break ranks with his liberal compatriots. Yeah, you notice how how it's a unicorn when they break ranks with the with the uh, he's bipartisan. They're they're moderate Republicans. If they even say one word against the policy of the Trumpanzies. 
Yeah, they don't even have to actually actually put action. They're they're a moderate if they say, well, you know, women don't totally suck. Oh, moderate Republican. On the other hand, if John Fetterman, if if John, you know, John Fetterman has to go all the way out and say, I'm not a I'm not a progressive. I've never been a progressive, even though, you know, he said, you know, we're going to start a progressive movement in this state, the Commonwealth and blah, 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 blah. Right. But here's the thing. Is he the lesser of two evils? I mean, after all. Sure. He was running, he was running against Mehmet Oz. Mehmet Oz was a dipshit. Still is. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Uh, where where is where are Pennsylvanians going to find some per- ideologically perfectly pure progressive uh, uh, to run on uh, an anti- an anti-Palestinian genocide platform and win? That is deeply cynical of me to say. But here we are. Well, you're talking about Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pittsburgh in the, Pittsburgh in the west, Philadelphia in the east, and Alabama in the middle. And I have one of my neighbors who checks in on me regularly is from a little town, farming town called Strucka. And more conservative than ever, you wouldn't believe. I mean, the guy hates Trump, but he'll give to uh, Franklin Graham's ministry on a regular basis. Um, you know, and when I rail against the hypocritical heathens that call themselves men of God, he he looks a little abashed at it because he knows what I'm saying is the truth. And I, I have no problem with people who want to live, you know, according to the teachings of Yeshua the Bronskin itinerant rabbi, because if you break it down, dude would have been considered a progressive. Yeah. And, and 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 the whole the whole purpose of, of the uh, of the gospels turns out boils down to be good to each other and don't be a dick. Hey, there's a novel concept. What dudes be excellent to each other? Exactly. The the nice thing is, Robin, how the how the election skews and what happens in the courts with Trump and all of that is almost a sideshow in that we need to get our progressive asses out out in force. And as much as I respect people who 
want to run for president, if you're running as an independent, you've got a snowball chance in hell. When Pat Paulson was, was the last um, serious independent candidate, Pat fucking Paulson of all people, and he was running as a joke. Because if you look at his, there's a website that's got all Pat Paulson's political positions while he was running. And you lay it over what the maggots are saying now. He would have been a right-wing douchebag if he'd actually followed what he said. And his son is continuing the joke. But there are those who blame to this day, blame Paulson for Hubert Humphrey's loss to Nixon. That seems, that's, that's, that, that, that seems a stretch, though, you know? I think it's solid based on the part of Humphrey supporters. Because Nixon was up to his eyeballs in dirty shit. Yeah. I mean, Kennedy was too when Kennedy ran against Nixon. Kennedy went as far as to send out anti Catholic mailings to Catholic households to get the Catholic vote out for Kennedy. The yeah. same to John Kennedy. Yeah, uh, re yeah. Re reverse. Re what is it? Reverse dirty tricks. Yeah, but people wouldn't believe that a Catholic candidate would spew this anti-Catholic bullshit. But the majority of people that were getting were like the. Um, Catholic voters in Boston. In places where Kennedy already had solid support. I mean, he was a popular senator. He was attractive politically because he was seen as an energetic person. But there's also something to be said for his judgment. And his judgment was fairly sound when he looked over at the military during the Cuban Missile Crisis and said, no, we are not going for the nuclear option. Because there were people in the military that were pressing him to send an ICBM into Cuba. And a friend of mine was in the Air National Guard at the time. And when he was discharged, got a letter from Kennedy's office, from the, from the White House, thanking him for his service. 
No, it was one of those auto pen letters. But my friend kept that letter for the rest of his life. He even showed it to me. He was very proud of it. Um, and I remember my, my father and mother talking about where they were when Jack Kennedy was murdered. And my dad got into public, he got into politics, he got into public service because of John Kennedy, which I find ironic considering he's been a lifelong Republican. But this is not the Republican Party of the early 70s where you could have Republicans go, you know what? These civil rights acts are not bad, bad, and they need to be used to redress the wrongs that have have happened over the years. You wouldn't get that kind of support in Congress now, unless you're goose-stepping behind the little animals like Marjorie Trader Greene and a few of the others. And I find it ironic that eight people in the Congress are holding the country hostage and going, well, if you don't do as we say, we're going to shoot. And they've got the gun to their own heads. I say, go ahead and let them. Because you know what's going to happen if they, if they are seen as obstructionists and social security checks get canceled and stuff like that, which the Biden administration has probably got contingency plans already in place to authorize the Treasury to advance the money a month or two ahead so that if the Republicans act like total chances, they can... uh, that the elderly and the disabled are not going to be left out in the fucking cold. And it's, it's, it's a feature, not a flaw, that the Republicans are doing this in January and February when it's cold. Because if, if the elderly and disabled can't pay their rent or their utilities or feed themselves, then there's going to be all kinds of fucking hell. If you don't think that a bunch of people on crutches and in wheelchairs and on walkers can't can't form a protest, you need to look at Enabling Acts, the book that talks about the passage of the ADA. Disabled rights activists were were getting out of their wheelchairs and crawling up the steps of the Capitol to protest for accessibility. Um, Ted Kennedy's office had to go to several of the leaders of the disabled rights movement and said, back off a little bit so that we can get the Republicans on board with this. And then, of course, Rush Limbaugh, that pineapple-loving ass lick, started
started, and this is where I knew the ADA was a good thing, because George Bush Sr. put his political capital where he knew it would do some good for him and signed the legislation and pushed for it. Um, when Rush Limbaugh was going, oh, this is going to kill America and all that bullshit. My friends. Oh, God. What people don't understand is that legislation is important because I, as an adult, have gone into places where I wanted to work, and they flat out told me, we're not going to hire you because you're disabled. Never mind I could do the job. Never mind I was more than qualified to do the job. They weren't going to hire me because I was disabled. Oh, and by the way, Robin, the federal government will it will pay employers to employ the disabled. They will subsidize a disabled person getting a job for a couple of years, and if they're working through something like a book rehab service in a particular state, they can get state and federal money for it, which would make disabled workers a fuck ton cheaper than their able-bodied counterparts with the same qualifications. So why are you complaining? Because if a disabled person has a steady job that pays a living wage, you don't have them on SSI or on food stamps or on Medicaid or Medicare generally because they can afford to take care of things like that. The fiscally conservative thing would be to encourage Employers to employ more people. Women, the disabled, those coming out of prison. There are programs that will help any of those groups get jobs. And you want to solve the gerrymandering problem? Have universal citizen suffrage where every citizen in the United States not only is entitled to vote, but their registration for their voting and would happen almost automatically when they go to change their identification at the B&B or, you know, when they go to get a hunting license or a fishing license. Anything like that that would require the state to have their address, they should be able to look over and go, are you registered to vote? And if they say no, say, would you like to? They're not forcing anybody to register. They're making it available to them. I had a candidate for sheriff in Monroe County 
a Republican register me as a Democrat um, in an election, and I asked the guy about his qualifications. I, I engaged him in a, in a conversation. And I couldn't argue that the guy wasn't qualified, but in Monroe County, there was no way a Republican candidate for sheriff was going to win. Um, Monroe County is where Bloomington, Indiana is, and it's a big blue dot in a sea of red. Um, and frankly, I'd like to see more blue dots in Indiana. From your mouth to God's ears. But I think the dumbest Democrat ever to serve as a senator from the state of Indiana was, uh, oh God, what was his name? He was, he was the last one who said, if you don't like my policies, don't vote for me. And he and Joe Manchin were two of a kind. So much so they appeared together in identical suits. They were looking like the Bobsy twins. And I said on this program at the time, do not, whatever you do, say, do not vote for me if you disagree with me. I mean, you're giving a voter an out. And I think, and I, I hope it happens soon, the Biden campaign should be going after these Republicans, Hammer and Tom. Now, they, sh they shouldn't wait for the nominating process. They shouldn't be waiting for the courts. I mean, I understand not commenting on the court proceedings. That I, I completely agree with. But we already know what Trump's policies are going to be. We already know what the other maggots that are running would be. And Chris Christie is no fucking moderate. Oh, hell no. Ask him if the state of New Jersey ever held him responsible for the death that occurred because he closed the bridge. Because I remember the as an story act of, of a woman spite. who died. As an act of spite. Right? But there was a woman that had a heart attack who couldn't get to the hospital and died in the because ambulance. Because couldn't get over the bridge. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Dave, well, I've, got, I've got a roll because uh, we are uh, almost 20 minutes past did the hour. Did we go over time? We did, but that's okay. All right. That's okay because I missed yesterday. So we'll, we, we'll have a little extra broadcasting. All right, Robin. You have a great night, Dave. Have a great, have a great New Year. And keep fighting like hell. Gonna try. So we can stay out of it. The only way out is through. I know. My therapist told me that, and it really stuck. Sometimes the only way out is through. So you have a great I evening. I understand. We'll talk to you soon. I will. I'll tell, 
I'll tell Christine about our conversation. Oh, do please. And give her my regards. I will. All right. And I think she's got something up her sleeve for uh, the Horn's birthday. Oh. I'll check and see later. Well, you just yeah, give, she's you been just, wanting to do this for a while. You just, you, I, I, you I just give her our love. And help her get it set up. I will. All right. See you, Dave. Bye. Bye. And so we are pretty much out the door here. I want to send thanks out to Kevin. Kevin finished up uh, all the uh, uh, all the uh, he finished us up with the fundraising. So uh, Bruce and Karen's memorial challenge has been met. We're done with the December deficit, and we're even going into the second broadcast of 2024. Thank you, Kevin, so very much. Uh, Kevin with a message. Happy New Year to the Horn family. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Kevin. Thank you so, so much. So, um, on the way out the door, just a couple of things. The notoriously right-wing, misogynistic 5th United States Circuit Court of Appeals today ruled that the 1986 law, federal law, the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act of 1986, obviously, does not require an emergency room to provide abortion care for a woman who is having, who is at risk of death from her pregnancy. The opinion was, of course, written by a man. No surprise there. And it was an attempt to strike down a ruling, uh, an administrative ruling, by the Biden administration saying that hospitals must provide abortion care if there's risk to the mother's life. The EMTLA is the law that requires emergency rooms to provide stabilizing treatment. Well, uh, the the, uh, black-robed terrorist, Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, said, uh, no, it doesn't. And they said, because the EMTLA requires that both the fetus and the mother be stabilized. Ah, Jesus. The case was filed by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, as well as the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Ah, Jesus. And so, well, uh, in a way, look, we are in a post-Dobbs versus Jackson women's health world, country. And it's just as, hear me out, it's just as well they did this. Because maybe 
these sorts of things will finally motivate Texans who actually have women in their lives whom they love to finally understand that the only way to protect those women is to remove maggots from government. Oh, and by the way, since it's a it, that uh, there's another news story coming out of Texas. Uh, people are calling for Ted Cruz to be banned from all Texas sporting activities or from, you know, going to games. Because not only did my beloved Crimson Tide go down last night, so too did Bevo and the Horns. Uh, Texas lost 37-31 to the Huskies. And, of course, it went without saying that Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger-eating future king of America, was present at the game, and it turns out he has a history. Uh, one, uh, one post said, uh, Do not allow Ted Cruz to claim he is a fan of your team. No matter what, Ted Cruz, I hate you so much. Because he's a walking jinx. Astros fan last October begged him not to go to an ML, uh, a Major League Baseball playoff game against the Rangers. The Astros lost 11-4 to because he went anyway. He uh, cursed Texas Tech in 2019. They lost the NCAA championship game against uh, the Virginia Cavaliers. And uh, he was also in the crowd in 2018 when the Houston Rockets were knocked out of the NBA playoffs. Rafaelito, of course, responded to the ribbing by saying, They're a bunch of lying hacks! For nearly seven years, Catherine and I have attended nearly every Astros home playoff game. Uh, uh, and I'm not sure, is Catherine, is, yeah, Catherine's, Rafaelito's daughter, the one that he, uh, he and his wife uh, tried to drive to unalive herself. God, he's so awful. And finally this. Because being as how we've had to cover both Moran Monday and Titanic Tuesday, well, it's almost required we have an Elon update. Leon Scum is now butthurt at Green Day. Yeah. Uh, they were playing their hit, American Idiot, on Sunday. And they changed the lyrics to from... Uh, uh, this was at Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Now 100% Dick Clark free for the last several years. And uh, Billy Joe Armstrong changed the line that went, I'm not a part of a redneck agenda, to singing instead, I'm not a part of the MAGA agenda. And this made Leon Scum furious. 
and Leon jumped on shitter and took a shit and said, Green Day goes from raging against the machine to milk-toastedly raging for it. No. No, Leon scum. Raging against fascism is not raging for the machine. What a dipshit. And, you know, Green Day's never been particularly shy about telling people that they don't like maggots. All the way back in 2016, they, say, they said, uh, uh, well, they, they, they created a slogan of sorts. No Trump, no KKK, no fascist USA. They did that at the American Music Awards. They've also been needling uh, Julius Geezer by selling... Uh, T-shirts with pictures of his arrest, his mugshot. But yes, Leon is angry with a band. The richest man on God's green earth has time. In between running shitter into the ground getting his dick rockets blown up on the launch pad, trying to develop a brain implant, tanking the share price of the car company, the Tesla, uh, who, by the way, was outproduced in this last quarter, I think, by the Chinese EV company. But in between all of that, he's got time to get mad at some Gen X punk rockers. The MAGA agenda is not fighting against, raging against the machine. Maggots love the machine. So that's it, y'all. I uh, had some technical issues that got the program off uh, to a late start. But we've got, oh, 25 minutes of broadcasting to build, uh, build, build up from the deficit of me misguidedly watching college football yesterday. Thanks, everybody. Happy New Year. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal uh, subscribers. Thank you to our a la carte contributors and those who make the challenges. Thanks for meeting Bruce and Karen's memorial challenge to start the month. Thanks for wiping out the deficit from last month. Thanks to each and every one of you who participate and share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you, Roger in Oregon. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on live. Please like, like each podcast episode and subscribe to a couple of platforms. Leave a comment for the algorithms. 
It really does raise the visibility of the program. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. Get your booster, get your flu shot, get your RSV if you can. We're in the teeth of it now in most of the parts of the country. COVID and flu season, RSV season. Wear your mask when you're around bigger groups, especially if they're maggots. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry it with you, pocket or purse, maintain your social distance to the best of your ability. And if Leon Scum comes babbling toward you on the sidewalk, barking and grunting about Green Day, I'll avoid him like the plague. Because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Happy New Year. Later. <laughs>